0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: Critical theory says, I will never forget your sins or the sins of those who came before. Critical theory is a different gospel. And so beware. Beware. Because this critical theory crisis, its invasion into the church is going to separate the believer from the unbeliever. The churchgoer goer. The exterior Christian from the real Christian.
0: Every dragon will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past. You've broken into all the fear of the
1: lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you.
0: Hello and thank you for joining us on today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. From everyone here at Hillside Church, we do hope that you and yours are well and staying strong, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to spend time with us today here on the program. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we return to Pastor Keith's series on race and reconciliation, as we hear a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, Imagine a God, Part Two. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Colossians, chapter two. And now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: Now we get into today's message a little deeper and we wrap up this discussion of critical theory. Let's talk about fatal flaw number three and it is a biggie. Critical theory and intersectionality have an unbiblical view of salvation. Critical theory and intersectionality, critical race theory has an unbiblical view of salvation. And here's where the university, the academy, the school system have done grievous, grievous harm by weaving this stuff into the curriculum. Here's where the Christian liberal art colleges and some denominations in drinking of this stuff have done real eternal harm. And that's why we began with Colossians 2, 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. In critical theory, intersectionality, critical race theory, salvation comes through social liberation. Salvation is found through activism, protest. It's a temporal thing. That's why there's this never-ending Series of musical chairs where we change places as oppressed and oppressor over time. Critical theory is a works-based religion, a penance-based religion. The worldview is deadly because it focuses men and women away from matters of eternal consequence. It's because it's failed to rightly diagnose the human condition. Everybody is dead in their sins and trespasses. All have fallen short of the glory of God and everyone needs a Savior. And there's no work, there's no penance you can perform that's going to save you. You cannot earn your salvation, you cannot buy your salvation, and you cannot earn enough merit points or intersectional points to find salvation. Often, in the past, we've discussed the fact that there are only two religions in the world. Some people always are a little bit taken aback by that statement. There are only two religions in the world. There is the religion of human achievement, and there is the religion of divine achievement. Human achievement is the religion that says you've got to earn your salvation, you've got to buy your salvation, you've got to deserve your salvation. And every religion in the world falls into that category except one, and that is the religion of of divine achievement. That is Christianity. That is what God has done for you at Calvary's cross through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection. Critical theory is a denomination in the religion of human achievement. God says salvation is a gift of grace. We see that in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is, is a New Testament example Of why Christianity is antithetical to critical theory. Look at Ephesians 2 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one can virtue signal. Verse 10 For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has raised you up. He has saved you and raised you up for such a time as this. Titus 3, 5, and 6 says the same thing. Not by works of righteousness have we done has he saved us. It's all of grace, all of grace. And this is why critical theory gets it all wrong. They get eternity wrong. It's all about the here and now, social revolution, activism, protest. Think. If you're a Christian, think. Think critically about critical theory. What does it profit a man or a woman that they gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? Did they recover all the power somebody has told them that they've lost and oppress the oppressor? They gain the world and they forfeit their soul. What good is it? It's no good at all. Critical theory fails to understand salvation. Therefore, it fails to understand spiritual growth, which theologians and scholars call sanctification. And those are words for change. You see, a new world, a new order, starts with a new person, a changed person. And that change doesn't come through coercion or threats of violence or disenfranchisement it comes supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit and failing to understand the human condition and failing to understand sin and failing to understand salvation critical theory has no clue about how to really change the world at all it fails to understand change comes from God it starts with God, one soul at a time. Where do we see this? We see this in the Old Testament, and we see this in the New Testament. The Old Testament, Ezekiel thirty-six, twenty-six and 27, what does it say? Watch this. I, this is God speaking, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That is the religion of divine achievement. That is a right understanding of salvation and change that comes with a new heart, and a new heart leads to a new way of thinking and doing and living and this theme carries all the way into the new testament as well look at second corinthians 5:17 through 19 therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away there's your change behold the new has come all of this is from god who through christ reconciled us to himself and gave us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation entrusting to us not vengeance Not giving them their comeuppance, but the message of reconciliation. Critical theory gets it all wrong. Intersectionality gets it all wrong. Change comes through the gospel, not the gospel plus. God says, I will remember your sins no more in the book of Hebrews. Critical theory says, I will never forget your sins or the sins of those who came before. Critical theory is a different gospel. And so beware. Beware, because this critical theory crisis, its invasion into the church is going to separate the believer from the unbeliever, the church goer, the exterior Christian from the real Christian, the one who knows about God from the one who knows God, because it's a different gospel, and those who believe a different gospel are in a world of hurt. How do we know that? Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says this. And you have to look at this when you think of God's timeless word. It's like he's speaking to those folks, to all of us today. Listen to what he says. I am astonished. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Sound familiar? Verse 8. Now watch this. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, or maybe one of your professors or teachers at school, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Verse 9, as we said before, so now I say again, if anyone, now here's the emphasis, right? If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. In the strongest possible terms, you have a condemnation from the pages of Scripture of the gospel of critical. And those who push it. Now some people push it from ignorance and naivety. And some people push it because they don't know the God of the gospel. How does it get to this point? How do things devolve to a different gospel? How do Christians get sucked in? How do denominations get sucked in? The answer is found in our fourth flaw. Flaw number four. The fourth deadly flaw. Now, some people say, you know, you only listed four problems with critical theory. That's because I didn't think you'd sit through a 50-point sermon. So I'm just taking four biggies here, okay? Flaw number four is an unbiblical view of the Word of God, an unbiblical view of Scripture, an unbiblical view of the canon. You know, in the cults, they always have the Bible plus. They have their extra books. They come to you with a Bible and then they come to you with the Pearl of Great Price or they come to you with the Doctrine and Covenants or they come to you with their magazine or whatever it is. But they always have an additional source of knowledge, a new revelation, a new standard, a new tradition. They don't have just the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. And so they'll come to you and they'll tell you some aberrant crazy idea And you'll say, but the Bible says, and you know what they say? But have you read? But have you read this? Yeah, I know the Bible says that. But, yes, but. And watch out, because that's what the cultists do. You know what? So do the critical theory people. So do those who push intersectionality. They have their traditions, human traditions, philosophies that take the untaught mind captive. The mind who has an idea about the Bible, who knows something about Christ, but either hasn't fully developed as a Christian yet in spiritual maturity, or doesn't know Christ at all. And so there's a yes, but. But have you read White White Fragility? But have you read The Trouble I've Seen? But have you read the book Cast? But have you read the book Woke church. But have you here, look at this website. Here's an email somebody sent me. You know what? They can't even explain what they believe. They want you to do all the work because they have not done the spade work. With them, it's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's Cargill, D'Angelo, and Cone, and Max, and Marks, and Russell. Yes, but have you read? They have a different scripture. They have a different set of scriptures. They have a different... Theory of knowledge, some would call it epistemology. But for Christians, the Bible is the truth against which all truth claims are weighed. It's like people who work in the bank. There are hundreds of types of counterfeit money, and they all look different, but there's only one real deal. And if you know the real deal, That's all you need to know. You don't have to memorize what every piece of counterfeit currency looks like. You just have to know. And if you know your Bible, it is the scales in which all of these truth claims are weighed. And these claims have been weighed and found wanting. What does Jesus say about the Bible? Sanctify them in truth, Father. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, complete, equipped for every good work. It's not the Bible, plus, it's the Bible. There's only one scripture. There's only one body of truth against which all other truths are weighed and nothing and no one supplements it. That's why the writer of Proverbs says this in Proverbs 30, 5, and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. But in critical theory in intersectionality those who believe it, those who teach it, the Bible is not authoritative, it is not sufficient, it is not authoritative it is not it is complete, it is not complete for them. It is corrupt, it is obsolete, it is insufficient, and it must be subjected to the tests of critical theory, to the scriptures of critical theory, to the traditions of critical theory, to the extra books, to the extra human wisdom. One seminary I looked at in its statement of faith talking about the scriptures and this is one of those seminaries that pushes critical theory says this about the Bible. While divinely inspired we deny we deny the Bible is inerrant or infallible. It was written by men over centuries and thus reflects both God's truth and human sin and prejudice. And watch this. This is the payoff right here. We affirm that biblical scholarship and critical theory help us discern which messages are God's. Think about that. And I want to just tell you this. If the Bible is wrong about humanity, it's wrong about salvation. If the Bible is wrong about humanity, it's wrong about sin. If the Bible has been corrupted and tainted, it's completely unreliable. And even this statement is wrong. Critical theory fails for these reasons. It, it fails because when you look at these four flaws, the results that these four flaws will produce are satanic, demonic, anti-God, anti-Christian. You, you know what else? Critical theory fails because it ignores the power dynamics that it sets up. Critical theory is self-defeating. It it. it it's like somebody sitting on a tree and sawing off the limb they're sitting on, because what happens is this oppressor, uh, a white male, is is then counter oppressed by a black male who's counter oppressed by a, a a black female. She is counter oppressed by an Asian lesbian, who is. Ca- it's just this never ending cycle. That's that's the whole satanic aspect of it. You never run out of people to come after. This is the stuff that genocides are made of. There's always somebody to be angry with, somebody to strike back at. Why? Because critical theory rejects logic, reason, biblical exegesis, and it replaces it with something else. Subjectivity, not objectivity. And because of its unbiblical view of humanity, its unbiblical view of sin, its unbiblical view of salvation, and its unbiblical view of Scripture, of truth, critical theory will fail. Critical theory will do more harm than good. And even though it might be right about one or two things, here or there, like a broken clock that is right twice a day, it's the wrong diagnosis, it makes the wrong prescriptions, produces the wrong results it does not save it damns it does not redeem it condemns so how do you deal with somebody who's drank this kool-aid who's thoroughly thoroughly immersed in it whether it's your grandson or granddaughter whether it's your son or daughter whether it's a professor at school whether it's a who how do you deal with it let me just give you some suggestions for application number one listen to what they have to say Now, let me be careful. We hear a lot about listening today. And listening means basically buying into what anybody says. You listen only to provide them a witness. That means you wait your turn rather than interrupting like they're inclined to do. You don't shout them down. You let them say their piece. You listen. You don't listen uncritically. You listen. And what else do you do? As you listen, number two, you think and pray. You think about, is this person going to be open to reason? Because you don't know who you're talking to. They could be a Christian who's confused, who's been poorly taught. They could be an unbeliever who God may be working in their heart and maybe not. Or they could be a fool who denies God Right? And what does it say in Proverbs? Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him. So you pray for, for, you think and you pray for discernment and for an open heart and maybe a conversion, maybe that you'll plant a seed that may begin to take root. Then what? Number three, speak briefly and clearly. Do not raise your voice. Do not shout them down. You know, they're going to say, so you believe that slavery is good. So you believe that oppression. So you as a Christian, you're just going to stand by. You know, you don't have to answer those questions. You don't answer a fool according to their father. You deliver the message. You're the mail carrier. You're the great commissioner. You deliver the gospel. And in explaining it, maybe you take the four flaws that we've talked about. And you say, "You you know, I know I hear what you're saying. But here's my concern about what you're saying. And you don't have to say critical theory or intersectionality. You just have to talk about the substance of what they're saying. It sounds like you've got an unbiblical view of humanity. It sounds like you have an unbiblical view of sin. It sounds like you have an unbiblical view of salvation. It sounds like you have an unbiblical view of the scriptures. You have your own books, your own holy books. But you've neglected the one needful thing. And you try to get them to think. When you deal with a cultist, you try to plant seeds. You try to disengage the emotional side of the brain and to engage the thoughtful, logical side of the brain with a fact. And that's all you can do. The rest is up to God. We abide in Christ, we keep his word, and we let him do the heavy lift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Sanctify us in truth, O God. Your word is truth. Father, help us to be, Lord, people who bring the wisdom from above that is sown in peace by people who make peace, that is not earthly, natural, and demonic, that is first peaceful, then pure, and reasonable. Father, help us to be unlike the world. Lord, use us to save some, use us to correct some, Father. And Lord, next week, as we think about what to do in the face of injustice, Lord, help us to take what we've learned today and weave it into that as well.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. From everyone here at Hillside Church, we just want to say how grateful we are that you've chosen to spend this time with us today studying God's Word. If you have questions about today's program, or if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Keith, then I would encourage you to log on to our website, hillsidechurch.org, where you can find more messages and content from Pastor Keith in the Sermons Archives tab, as well as links to Pastor Keith's blog and the new Out of My Mind podcast, You can also connect with us to see the many things happening here at Hillside Church, including our service times, ministry opportunities, and our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and more can be found by visiting the website hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again right here next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, It is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you and keep you. And thanks for listening.
1: This is Keith Crosby from Hillside Church and Grace to Live. I wanted to invite you to an online conference that we're holding on successive Wednesdays beginning September 16th at 7 p.m. We have Bodie Bacham and Neil Shinvee talking about the road from race to reconciliation. you probably heard terms like woke and critical theory, and you're wondering where does this all fit into the Bible? Come to our website at hillside.org, click on the button, register, and find out. Can't wait to see you there.